Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you can trust that feeling of reals always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We had a whole lovely show planned for today, and we will continue to do that. Don't worry. But we must begin with a victory lap. I love being right, Amanda. And also, we timed this podcast well. We did it with, with enough time to race through Travis Kelsey's WSJ period magazine profile. You may know that as the Wall Street Journal's uh, magazine that you're not sure what the point of view is, and that's fine. And he talks about a lot of stuff, kind of. And also I know about what the Taylor point Swift. of view is. It's rich people. Well, that works for me and for this podcast. He talks about a lot of stuff. And I just need to read immediately from the profile where he talks about his his uh the woman he's seeing not those he doesn't say those words but i'm gonna use them taylor swift here's here's a quote there were definitely people she knew that knew who i was in her corner who said yo did you know he was coming i had somebody play cupid he wasn't aware then then this is the reporter he wasn't aware at the time however the revelation only came later after he looked down at his phone and got the shock of a lifetime she quote Travis quote, she told me exactly what was going on and how I got lucky enough to get her to reach out, close quote. So Amanda, we now have confirmation that someone gave Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey's phone number and she lived true to the moniker that we gave her, text first Taylor, because she did in fact text him first. first. Yeah. I I mean, absolutely love it. And I just want to say we knew it. It's great stuff. I knew it in my bones. I you're you're elated right now, and that I am. I love your being face right. is just like glowing, <laughs> and that makes me so happy. I also love being right, and I just felt so sure that it, like it couldn't be any other way. So my reaction is kind of like, yes, of course. Like, I, I, yes, we know. 
We we were correct. <laughs> Thanks everyone for catching up. Um, but it feels amazing to be right. It always does. It really, really does. And then and he adds that when she was in Arrowhead uh, with her tour over the summer, her cousins were taking pictures in front of his locker, which was like some kind of endearing thing. And then he alludes to the fact that someone in her family or some people in her family were the ones that encouraged her to text him. So like, I'm just going to have to assume that was her dad, perhaps her brother, but based on the evidence I have, how happy her dad was standing next to him last weekend that I, I feel pretty sure that Scott Swift was like, yeah, just go for it. Yeah. I don't know if he said it in that voice. So I think that sounds right. I do sometimes wonder because her family is from Pennsylvania. And yep. so I, I maybe they're just like football fans at large. And so, and because Travis Kelsey is like a very famous and successful, he's, he's a good NFL player. Um, but it does also make you wonder whether they're Chiefs fans, like, you know, I, in general, the Swiss family's allegiance to Pennsylvania sports teams has come in question in certain corners, namely the corner of my home where I live uh, with a Philadelphia sports fan. But I guess, I guess he's like big ticket enough. Was he though before Taylor? I mean, this is the other thing. I feel like he just, every he was five quite, seconds. He was quite, quite big ticket, but I think the Super Bowl last year is what brought him to a different level where he and like Patrick Mahomes like received the trophy together and he did like a um like some like a wrestling thing that I found really off-putting immediately after winning because all the commercials that you see constantly were filmed like in July. They're not like No, it's true. They're contemporaneous with him meeting Taylor Swift. Jim Wa said that she heard it was in July that they first met. And she's been right this whole time. So I'm just gonna go with it. Anyway, I do think that like this has reached brought him to a new level of fame, but he is probably like among NFL players the most famous. It's a sport where most players, even if you know their name, you can't like name like note their face. And I think you always could with him. Plus, he's been pursuing this level of fame for a while. Right. So I mean, he is a podcaster. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, how do you feel about that? That Taylor Swift is dating a podcaster. What do you think that opens up for you? Uh you know, I'm I'm happy for Travis and Jason Kelsey. They have a public avenue to explore their brotherhood, which seems to be very close. I don't think it means anything for me, but I do think that it's like lame. And I, I think that they should start like charging more for the content or something like that. I don't know. I just <laughs> Taylor Swift should not be just like one of us, you know, like dating a podcaster. I I agree with that. Though at you know, at this point, can it really be helped? The other yesterday I went to the movies like for the big picture. Um, and I was talking with like the nice person at concessions and she was like, oh, why are you seeing this movie and blah, blah, blah. And I eventually had to say the words like, oh, it's because I have a podcast. Um, mm, tough. Which is like a tough thing to say. But then she was like, oh yeah, she just not. She was like, sure, everyone does. And I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> well, actually, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, you live in LA. Yeah, it's true. Um, one more thing I wanted to note about this Travis Kelsey, Wall Street Journal magazine um, profile is that it was written uh, and the interview was conducted by J.R. Moringer, who you may know as the person who ghost wrote Prince Harry's book, which is just incredible. Incredible. It's really, really, it's a very smart and funny assignment um, by the Wall Street Journal magazine. Also, they know that he has a lot of experience navigating difficult media machines, you know, and getting the right things out of people and wanting them to feel supported. I suppose, during what has uh, been a when a tricky and managed process, I would imagine. I think that J.R. Moringer does a really good job capturing Travis Kelsey's, um, like, speaking patterns. Like, I got a real sense of how he speaks and, like, what that says about him from a written piece, which I think is hard to do in this day and age. 
Do you think Taylor Swift is pissed about anything he revealed in this piece? Great question. I'm sure whether she wants to admit it to herself or not, yes, there is something that's irking her. But I say that with utmost respect because she is a complete control freak, as am I. And so she wants everything to be exactly the way that she wants it to be. And she has her own version of things and having anyone else uh, speak about it. Probably there's there's probably something where she's like, I wouldn't have put it that way. And mm-hmm. then um, at some point, if the relationship sours, it will be used as uh, like a, a point of contention. Right. Like you went, you talked about the Wall Street Journal. You talked to the Wall Street Journal about me. I can't wait to see how it turns into a lyric. So I definitely think that he did. He consulted with her before he agreed to do this. Right. I think probably. I would assume. Yeah. He says some pretty sweet things about yeah. her. There's actually the, the sweetest moment is J.R. Moringer's like, what do you think you can teach her? And he comes up with nothing. I think that's like pretty cute. <laughs> and J.R. Moringer poses like football and he's like, maybe. But I think that's actually like my favorite Travis Kelsey fact, which is that he thinks he has nothing to teach Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. Did you catch the whole resurfacing of Travis Kelsey tweets trying to find something, you know, just like doing the background check that Swifties do on everything. And it was just like a bunch of tweets about Olive Garden. Yes, which is definitely corroborated by this piece where basically Donna Kelsey, uh, quite famous now, talks about how he and Jason like just like ate a lot as kids. Also, (laughs) (laughs) she said he was always number two, which is really, which is the kind of thing you can only say about a person who is now number one. It's like, yes, I mean, they're both really good, but I would think, I think Travis Kelsey is like probably in terms of like Hall of Famer is ahead of his brother. And also the other thing, other thing that J.R. J. R. Moringer included was that he, that Travis Kelsey does like an excellent Chris Farley impersonation, like really spot on. And it's <laughs> very, very funny for me to imagine Taylor Swift dating someone who's like obsessed with Chris Farley, like watching like Down by the River YouTube videos on his phone. Do you think Taylor Swift watches, is like, aware of Chris Farley? Uh, I don't know. I think that that might be a generational divide. I think she might just be too young. She's the same age as Travis. That's a good point. But I I don't know. I can't see her. She was too young for SNL or any of that live, I would assume. Yeah, definitely for that, for Chris Farley. But uh, I don't know. Tommy Boy is a classic, Amanda. I know. I just don't know whether it gets handed down to to (laughs) Taylor Taylor Swift. Not really well, sure. Travis did say, he didn't say this is something I have to teach her, but he's like, this is part of me. Will Ferrell. I think it was like Will Ferrell, Chris Farley, and one, and one other comedian. I can't remember. I bet that Travis Kelsey loves the movie The Mask and like Cable Guy. Oh, wow. I feel like he, okay. it's probably, probably related to Jim Carrey, which, listen, Jim Carrey's funny. He is funny. You That list of movies just like brought back the vivid being 25 and a guy just like really loves comedy, you know? Um, yeah. But like... Before the not nerdy version of that, you know, where someone's just no, like, the oh, this is really funny. Yes. Version. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry. The third comedian was Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, and Will Ferrell. And oh. his quote was I told Taylor that I have that world. I've got to introduce it to her. I let her know this is my jam right here. <laughs> um, 
I just want to know, I too love Adam Sandler. I mean, Adam Sandler. Who doesn't love Adam Sandler? Yeah, Yeah, Adam Sandler's incredible. Also, like, Will Ferrell, all three of those people, incredibly funny. Incredibly talented. But there is also something about just being like, this is my jam. And then, like, here is Step Brothers. Do you think it's even, like, Step Brothers, or is it more old school? I think Step Brothers. Based on everything I know about men in their 30s, I think Step Brothers. I mean, me too, but I don't I don't know whether that is, like, too uh, bizarre in its comedic taste for... No, like, no, I, no. Okay. That's been adopted by, like, everyone. Okay. Every man under 40. Okay, well, Maybe congratulations under 50. to them. Uh, congratulations to Taylor Swift. I look forward to hearing about her odyssey of learning about the work of Chris Farley. I really hope she documents it. It'd be so funny. I, I really don't. I, I but... <laughs> But that's just from personal experience, you know? Lived through it once. Yeah. Um, let's move on. I don't I, I I was making our rundown for today and I initially wrote wrote the crown question mark. And then I was thinking to myself, question mark, and I deleted it. Of course. Yeah. Let's talk about the crown. Well, what I would like to ask you what you think about it. I have been covering the crown on the prestige TV show with Joanna Robinson. So I I have I feel like I've been deep in it, but also just talking to Joanna. Where are you? Four episodes have been released. The other six are coming in December. Spoilers, I guess, if you have not seen. Spoiler alert: Princess yeah. Diana is dead. Right. <laughs> um, here's I've watched two of four. Oh, okay. So I haven't watched. I it begins. Season, <laughs> spoiler alert: Season six begins with the car crash in Paris, but like in a very crown way. Right. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. Can I share them? I really would like you to. My number one thought is that I don't find Princess Diana interesting. After reading the Diana Chronicles by Tina Brown, I have all the information I need on Princess Diana. Yeah. She made her much more interesting by placing her in this like sort of like media evolution in England and like a sort of evolution of an entire industry, but she unto herself is boring. And so I do not care for the crown like centering her as like this figure, which I understand why, but I just, I'm just like, this is actually not why I watch this show. Right. And then my other opinion is that I think it's like remains a pretty interesting television show, but it's a lot harder to buy into it when I'm like, is this really how it went, hap- went on? Like I have a lot of recent information about this. And so like the con- the, the, con- the dialogue between Dodi Fayed and Diana and also every piece of dialogue dialogue from Mohammed Al-Fayed is like pretty unbearable and like really takes me out of it, which is a bummer because I love this show. Yeah, I think I sort of agree. I don't have that strong a reaction to specifically the dialogue and uh, and and I have seen all four episodes and without spoiling anything, they all deal with Diana and the events of 19 in the summer of 1997. I believe episode four, it's widely known and is, is, is like the funeral episode. Yeah. I mean, the title of it is Aftermath. So <laughs> there you go. So, but, so you, but you haven't seen episode three, which um, draws a lot from real life. I'll just put it that way. I mean, these episodes do. And I, and I think I can say without spoiling episode three or four that I was generally pretty surprised with how, with the choice that the crown made to, really to recreate in an almost day-by-day basis the last however many weeks of Diana's life. I think it's like that last eight weeks. 
I say that with like a total lack of enthusiasm. My elation from being right about Taylor Swift has just dissipated when I think about The Crown season six. Yeah. Um, I think that also, uh, it's just like sad. Like just like knowing that, um, you know, her her kids are alive and have to live through like the media parsing this, like though I don't really like them, is just like objectively sad. So yeah. that's like a downer. And I think... Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I found it interesting also that like the reaction from the British press has been so negative and I don't exactly know why that is. Well, the British press is a major, major topic of all of the episodes and is a major topic of how Peter Morgan understands the royal family. I mean, it is a show about history, I suppose, and institutions and families, but it is also a show about the media. Um, because his thesis in a lot of ways is that the media sort of becomes their, their job and, and that they are all about image and that is increasingly how that image is conveyed. So it is not a flattering portrayal, I think, of the media. And I, I think, I guess. It's an unflattering portrayal from what I know of two episodes of Literally everyone. Like, everyone seems like a bad actor so far. Yeah, which might not be... That's better than identifying, like, one villain that... Definitely. We can't... You know, it is, as you said, it is such recent history, and it is... It seems, from what we understand, that there are a lot of, like, very sad contributing factors to the to the crash and, and, and to that tragedy. So... I don't want to spoil too much. I thought that episode three was my least favorite episode. And I think also possibly like the most generous to everyone involved. Interesting. um, Aside from the paparazzi, obviously. It's funny. I really liked the framing device of season of episode two. Yeah. With the two, two photographs and the two photographers, the sort of like old school friend of the crown versus the paparazzo who's like, you know, on a boat trying to get his pictures and and whatnot. But I, I also liked the sort of, in episode two, the paparazzo, um, the Italian guy. I forget his name. I apologize. I think it's Mario Brenna. Yes, that's right. He has like a confidence and a brashness to him that I actually like admire, kind of. I wouldn't say admire, but I'm not like repulsed by it. Like sort of like, this is like the sort of the culture that Jam Session participates in. And so yes. it sort of like felt familiar to me. And I thought, I guess maybe because it's familiar, I found it interesting. And I I sort of, I always liked in previous seasons of The Crown when the framing devices were unexpected like that or like more right. removed from the action that you're so familiar with. And so I think it's almost like a letdown that some that these episodes seem to be such a straightforward recreation. Completely agree. And, and that's when I, I was surprised by, and, and so far have not totally enjoyed the decision to do just a pretty straight day by day recreation of Diana's experience um, because I expected them to to use those framing devices to, you know, the the footman or the, you know, whatever. Yeah. The, the footnote that you don't know about that happened right after the, all the moments exactly. you do or whatever. To, to tell it in a different way. And also because it's just, you know, they don't, you said it was a very crown way that they deal with the, the actual crash. And you do not actually see the crash. Um, right. You do see a Mercedes speeding into a tunnel. You hear a crash. You hear the sounds. You see, like, I was surprised at that level of reenactment. I thought it was sort of 
I just didn't really get it. I like I, I thought there could be more interesting and relevant revelatory ways to talk about this period of life uh, of and you know an, another tricky thing is that Peter Morgan has like actually already done that and it's a 2006 film called The Queen which yeah. is wonderful um it's quite good and which is very good and like like in a lot of ways is kind of the germination of The Crown the TV show and does focus like on Elizabeth and and Tony Blair and so it like He's already made his episodes, so he's kind of, like, backed against a, a wall, and he has to redo it. And, like, I would imagine that would be hard. And so you said, like, I understand, like, Diana was one of the most famous women in the world. So they have Elizabeth Debicki giving, like, I think a very good performance, even if it's an irritating character. Yeah, yeah agreed. So, like, when you're making a TV show, at some point, you just, you're like, y- you can't throw away... I mean, you could, but I understand why they just, like, went all in on Diana, right? Right. Like, it's, yeah. it's Diana. Yeah, of course. And, and and to your point about the Queen, that is, that would have been a better episode. That would have been a better approach for this TV show. But yeah. it, as you said, he already did it. But, like, the Queen is um, the royal family finding out and, like, the hours after, like, how they respond and stuff. And, and, and the week after Diana's death and, like, and a very real public outcry against how the royal family and specifically the queen handled it, which is used as an examination of the public versus the personal and grief and what and what the institution of the monarchy is, what the institution of the media is. It's it's like all of the crown's themes baked in one like very good movie and a great performance by Helen Mirren. And the guy who plays Bertie in The Crown is Prince Charles in yes. and the Queen. So um, so yeah, I it's disappointing. I'm glad it's over, you know? I'm glad that because I, I, I'm sorry to to spoil a show you haven't seen, but we did say episode 4 is aftermath. And so it seems and Joanna Robinson has theorized on on the Prestige TV podcast like this is the Diana part and then there will presumably be some sort of time jump or separation. Right, cuz Will goes to college. Right, for the next 6 episodes. So Theoretically, it could be a more traditional. This was almost like a mini, like Diana season. Yeah, I am still sort of perplexed by it. I don't think it's poorly done. I mean, you know, the show no. is very good, so good at show. writing, acting. I think the CGI is terrible. Um, I just like Amanda's war against CGI continues, but it's really bad on this show. It's so noticeable that when they're recreating that photo of her with her legs dangling on the yeah. um. Like, what are we doing, guys? Also, not to be a total snob, but I was like, well, that's Spain. That's not France. I could yeah, tell right away. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it is really interesting. The closer they get to modern history, the more that, and and the closer that modern history gets to just being like pure tabloid, which it kind of, it kind of has, we remember all of these things, right? And we have seen these images. And so there are like, it's not just that they're recreating things that really happened. They are recreating, like, photographs. Yeah. But, but not as well as, you know, the, the actual photographs. So you have literally, you have something literal to compare it to. I don't know. I'm, I, I am, I enjoy watching it because it's my favorite show on TV just because I, this subject matter interests me. And I still do think, like, the writing, the performances, the ideas are interesting. It was also interesting as someone who is so, like, 
deeply obsessed, I guess, for lack of a better word, with all of this stuff to like watch Peter Morgan, the the writer and showrunner, try again with the same subject material. You know, it's like I've seen the Queen so many times and read the book that it's interesting to me, like what he changed. The yeah. he's coming at it slightly differently. People are playing it a little a little bit differently. But you know, that that's some really in the weed stuff for Amanda Dobbins. That's not like great TV making for everyone. So I don't know. I'm curious what people who don't follow this as closely as certainly I do, but even you do to an extent, feel about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Tweet at us. Or actually don't, but how about Instagram DM us? Um, I'd like to know on that venue. Uh yeah, I, I think it's I think it seems campy at this point. Um, our colleague Jeff Chow said it reminded him of the people versus OJ Simpson. And I thought that was a yes. good point. Yeah. So and it's not supposed to be camp. The Queen would never do camp. So it's interesting. I will say I, I like enjoyed Amelda Staunton's performance more than I did in season five. I felt like sh- maybe I was just more accustomed to it and I wasn't like longing for Olivia Coleman. But I did think that her um, scenes with Dominic West were like actually pretty good. I, her kind of frigidity was uh, yeah. play- played much more naturally, I thought, than in pre- in the previous season. But maybe that's just me. No, I agree. I think also like the nature of the performance and the writing of the performance are come together a bit more, which I think is just a fact yeah. of when you're switching actors, it takes everybody a little while to get on the same page. Right. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I still enjoy it too. I also like there's something about some I, I think I you know, I was I knew what to expect from the cast. So it was it was less it was less jarring on that front. I'm very I'm very attached to seasons three and four. So. No, I, I do know that. I'm still, I'm <laughs> I'm a season one and two girl. So, you know, every once in a while you get a little snippet of, of Claire Foy and flashback. I'm always glad to see her. I restarted season one. I was like, oh, it's a really good show. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredibly good. It's just, it's hard to do. It's The show is apparently or reportedly start stopping in 2005, uh, which I think is smart from, because you, I mean, if if they were redoing Harry and Meghan, that just like would be full camp but i'm also like let's 20 years from now if they want to come back i would obviously watch it seriously i just need to mention that megan markle attended a variety event power oh yeah last week Mm -hmm. her tailoring remains um lacking but i just want to note that she um commented on on suits which i actually find shocking that she commented that she's like she's like good tv is forever i believe was the quote I feel like Meghan Markle two years ago would not acknowledge suits yeah, man, on our they, red carpet. They they need to be associated with success. Have you caught <laughs> have you caught this thing? And I this is pure tabloid nonsense. I have no way of verifying it. But the latest thing is that their camp has made it be known that they would welcome a Christmas invitation to to with the royal to family San, to Sandringham. And I mean, this happened, you know, this weekend, and then uh, they they have not yet come out and like outright refuted it, which to me is a sign that maybe they would welcome a Christmas invitation at Sandringham, or they're not like against it. My immediate thought was like, it is five weeks until Christmas, and that is the King of England. Like security concerns alone, you guys aren't getting an invitation. Like it's past. That is it's really sad. As the Queen said in episode two. You know how long it takes to plan these things. I know. It's It's just like, wow, this is, people are really grasping here. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, you know, I would say mixed results, but I I'll, I will watch every every episode of The Crown multiple times. I'm definitely going to go back. I might I might stop at the end of season four, but... You know, I revisited season five a few months ago, knowing that season six was coming, and also just because I needed a boost. I liked it more the second time around. All right, I'll give it another shot. I'll get there probably in like three months. Yeah, I think I had a little bit of the same, like, this is a new cast, and I don't really understand what's going on. Um, I think it's... It, it is very smartly done and maybe has like a tiny bit more removed from the real events than mm-hmm. they're not really. Anyway. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Shall we move on? Yeah. Can, so can you just tell me about F1 in sure. Vegas? Just, sure. Just give me your... your your thoughts, your feelings. Formula One has come to Las Vegas. Yeah. The Formula One community is extremely against it. Um, it's like, there was like issues with the track. It's like very commercial and like very Hollywood in a way that Formula One, though it's usually like a big show, is not. It was just, it was like the real Hollywood show and there was like so many celebrities there and people who are into the sport were like, appalled by it and also there was issues with the track for when the like actual racing began but it ended up being fine um slightly dramatic race but the best part about it was like the sphere looked really cool in all the pictures <laughs> i don't know if you saw that i was like wow this is looks dope um and this and then as expected celebrities flocked there there were just like so many celebrities and like so many like it was like almost like the Super Bowl which is funny because the Super Bowl is also happening in Vegas in two months there were so or three months there were so many events including Ben Affleck and J-Lo hosting a poker game which like what are we doing? I thought that he wasn't allowed in, in casinos but okay um <laughs> and like it was for charity nevertheless uh yes it was for charity there was just a lot of celebs but not that much A-list except ASAP Rocky and Rihanna were there mm-hmm. as guests of Ferrari, which Wasn't is pretty Brad cool. Pitt there? Yeah, I assume he's like back on the um, the F1 train since he's doing the movie and he can yes. like go again. Yeah, he, he was going to all the races and then stopped uh, because of the strike. Right. And now he's back. Leonardo DiCaprio didn't go to the race, but he went to a party there with his body man, Tobey Maguire. Also love that Leo has stopped wearing his mask over his nose and just wears it over his mouth now to, you know, yeah. prevent anyone from seeing what he's saying, as right. you pointed out. Just a ton of celebs. I'm happy for everyone. Seems like they had a good time. So when you say the F1 community was skeptical of this, I wouldn't say skeptical. They hate it. They hate it. Are you, Juliette Littman, a part of that F1 community? No. I don't want to go to this race. Like, it doesn't seem fun. I don't want to go someplace where I'm being 
restrict my access is being restricted and I'm made very aware of how I'm not famous or like important. Um, not that I want to be those things, but to be repeatedly told, oh, you can't walk here. Or, like, no, you can't come here. Like, that's just not something I'm interested in experiencing. Okay. Also, like, part of the appeal of F1 is it's so European and, like, so foreign. And so, like, making it more American is not that appealing to me. Right. But, like, it's sort of like taking a sport that you're really familiar with and, like, giving it the Super Bowl treatment, but without it actually being the Super Bowl. And you're just be like, what the fuck's going on here? Can I ask some questions about the race itself? Sure. What time of day did it happen? It started at 10 p.m. Pacific time, which was not, not good because it was cold. Usually it's like hot for F1 and the Vegas in, in November. It, the Vegas desert in November is cold. So that wasn't great. Okay. Why isn't it? Because they... The like, tires don't get as warm and, they're, and the cars are... And the tires are engineered for warmer surfaces. Plus people are like cold outside. It's a warm weather sport. Okay. I, that's not something I would have known. So, all right. So, so that was a problem. Do races often start at 10 p.m.? No, they do not. Okay. Um, I don't know why they did that. I guess like it looks cool because it's Vegas. I also think maybe like for time zone purposes, it's it was good. Uh, I yeah, I mean, because if if it's at 10 in in Vegas, it's like normal. It's like morning for a lot of Europe. Okay. Where did all of the what do we call them? Drivers? Drivers? Yeah, the yeah. drivers. Where do, the, where do the drivers and their teams stay? When I was in Mexico City, they stayed at the Ritz. So I assume like at the Four Seasons. Okay. But it was like, it was closed off to... Yeah, I think they They like, weren't like at and about. They don't no, mean well. Leo stayed at the Wynn. So I assume that like they even there was like some like a, like driver hotels that were not accessible to regular people. Okay. Was it a notable race? Not really. It's been a really boring season because Max, who I hate and who hates hated this race, has had it sewn up for a while. Okay. Do you think that F1... Is this like a crossover F1 event from appeal to a broader swath of people? I was definitely more aware of it. Yeah, I think so. Because like, of yeah. all the celebrities? Netflix is like all in on it. They, they hosted their first live sporting event on mm. Wednesday. It was a golf tournament that like combined the F1 show and the golf show. I think they signed like a 10 year agreement to have. So there's, there's nine more Vegas Grand Prix to come. So yeah, I mean, I think this will help it grow. I mean, the, the thing is that this it's just been so uncompetitive this year because Max is so much better than everyone else. So they need to like rig the rules so that one car can't be so much better than everyone else, which is traditionally how the sport goes, which like is a bummer because the last few years it's been tight when like all these Americans got really into it. Right. But typically it's, so when you say Max is just much, so much better than everyone else, is it his driving? Is it the engineering of the car? Is it a symbiosis? It's mostly, it's both. I was going to say it's mostly the car, but that's because I'm a Max hater. Ultimately, at the end of the day with Formula One, it's the car, but the driver yeah. also has to be talented and skilled. Right. Okay. All right. But right now, it's the car. Yeah. It seems like Rihanna had a nice time. What do you think about her her look? I feel like it's a, a, new, a new era of Rihanna. It seems great. I mean, she can, I, I don't think I could pull them off. Her bangs? Oh, her bangs. Were, I, th- I thought you were talking about the f- the fashion. Oh, that that too. All of it. I mean, yeah. I really admired her, and it's not surprising. I mean, Rihanna is the coolest and most confident person in the world, but she was very comfortable with pregnancy dressing, which I, I found to be just a real uh, dilemma. And then just like the geometry of it doesn't totally work. And then 
I found postpartum, I continued to find postpartum to be like sort of confusing and she just like looks amazing and likes Rihanna and is just doing what she wants and feels good in. So she's an inspiration. She really is. I mean, I think she looked pretty cool. She also looked comfortable, which is crucial, except for her shoes. But other than that, she looked pretty comfortable. I think they seem really in love. So I wish them well. I wish them well in a positive way. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. A couple more fast topics. Okay. Um, I I'm, I felt bad that we didn't discuss Nicki Minaj's profile last week when you talked about Lauren Sanchez because I also misattributed the cover to Lauren Sanchez. So I was like, okay, right. I'm going to participate in Nicki Minaj content. I'm going to watch her 73 questions video. So I went to YouTube to watch it. I did not watch it because I found out that it was 20 minutes long and... She's at a recording studio. She's not giving a home tour. She's not showing a property that she owns. She's in like three discrete basic spaces. I'm just like, what? What the fuck's going on here? Yeah. I liked that franchise. I haven't watched it in a while. Um, I think it's sort of reaching its natural conclusion. Didn't Jennifer Lopez use a rental? Yes. We talked yeah. about that extensively. Well, uh, jail yeah, forever. So I think that's over. Okay. Um, while I was on YouTube... I came across a video from, I believe, a charity event that Will Forte and Jason Sudeikis did uh, in Kansas City. And Jason Sudeikis was singing Shallow. And when he was doing the Bradley Cooper part and Will Forte, when like he was about to do the Lady Gaga part, Hannah Waddingham, who's on Ted Lasso with mm-hmm. Jason Sudeikis, came out and she did the Lady Gaga part. And she's a really good singer. I just wanted to note that. Do you watch Ted Lasso? No. Oh, I can't stand it. So you never watched the episode in season one where she sings Let It Go at karaoke? Um, I did see that, but I don't remember it because I don't like that show. Okay. I watched season one and enjoyed it and then was horrified at everything that came after. But I did remember that she was in Let It Go. Uh, she sang Let It Go in season one and she's like very good. Yeah, she's Yeah. Cool. To like somebody's daughter or something. Cool. I can't remember, but... It's yeah, she's good. She yeah, she's a theater person. She's very talented. While we're talking about singing in unexpected places, um, I had to see the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Oh, I heard that was good. Was it good? I really did not think it was good at all. And um, one of my main issues, which (laughs) you will you will understand why when I share with you that it, it is in many ways a musical, and Rachel Zegler sings many songs in the style of the Lumineers. Oh wow. Her character is like a, a a traveling musician in Panem. Oh wow! Are these original songs? I I'm afraid so. Oh no, that's yeah. very tough. So, but like, just imagine my face when I like settle in at the movie theater on a Sunday afternoon to to watch this film, and then Rachel Zegler starts like strumming a banjo and singing a song, and there are like many songs. Is this a prequel or a yeah. postquel? It's a prequel. Wow, that sounds really, really unfortunate. Who else is in the movie? Uh, Viola Davis is very good. Right. Okay. And um, who Peter plays Dinklage? young Stanley Tucci? Oh, uh, Jason Schwartzman, also very good. Right, Jason Schwartzman. That's the, yeah. old, that's the though, real plus Though I'm not sure whether it's actually, I, I guess it is young Stanley Tucci. I wasn't really sure of the one-to-one on those characters. Okay. Uh, I, I won't be seeing that, but um, it's not because of the singing, honestly. Many people who aren't me enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it. What did Sean think? He thought it was okay. Okay. He didn't think it was like actively bad. Okay. I don't think it was actively bad either. I just had a very negative reaction to it. 
<laughs> um, okay, last item of the day, which is that I sent you an Instagram a few days ago. I oh, think yeah. I sent I think I sent it to you, yes, at 4 54 a.m. my time. So mm-hmm. tells you what I'm doing in the middle of the night. Um, a video from an Instagram guy named Caleb Simpson who is like has a big following, and he asks people what how much do you pay for rent? And it's like, it probably started out unscripted and now it's incredibly scripted. And the person I sent you was him asking Deacon Phillippe, the child of Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Phillippe. And then he shows um, Caleb W. Simpson on Instagram, his West Village apartment, which uh, is where he lives with his two roommates. They all go to NYU, which I didn't know, of course, made me think of Lawrence Sanchez's son. Sure. They're all hanging out at Zero Bond together. Um, And Deacon Phillippe shows off his West Village apartment. It's exactly what you'd expect from Reese Witherspoon's son going to college. It's like a really nice apartment that is like kind of being trashed because he's in college, as are his roommates. Right. You sent it to me in the middle of the night, which means I watched it first thing in the morning. Like, maybe I had my glasses on, but I wasn't awake yet. And so I watched it, like, two times before I realized that it was Deacon Philippi, son of. And so for a while, I just thought you were sending me. And I was like, oh, no, this is a new TikTok thing that I have to know about. Like, I, but I don't know what's going on here. And that's, is it about the staircase? Because they have this very dramatic spiral staircase. Uh, and then I was like, oh, that's that kid. He, I would, I would agree with you. It definitely seems staged and like he's excited to be on it. I thought that they were taking better care of the apartment than I expected. Okay. That's nice. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad that you're giving it more of a higher hygiene ranking than me. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't like examining the tile grout or anything, but you know, I, it, it looked okay. And they had taken the trash out in the, like the last week it later came to my attention that he has a new album out he's a dj oh sure so there okay. you go De- Deacon what do you Phillipe. think he's studying at nyu um i'm gonna guess he's in the same program as mary kate and ashley which is like a make your own adventure i forget oh, sure. what it's called okay. but um something what like kind that. of adventure do you think he's making dj and a dj music. adventure definitely yeah. music sure. yeah he's probably like what did lady gaga do i want to do that um <laughs> so there's that. Um, Amanda, any final celebrity thoughts from you? You just reminded me on Saturday night, I tried to like really spice it up at 6 p.m. while it was pitch blackout. And I put on Rihanna radio for my, for me and my son, just, you know, I was trying to bring up the energy and Knox was primarily interested in playing with like the Swiffer that he got out of the closet. But then Lady Gaga came on and he really, really responded to Poker Face by oh. Lady Gaga. He was well, a big It's a really fan. good one. It's, it's it is a really one. good one. Good and then, knocks. yeah. And then when um, Iconopop came on, he was mm. like, "I want to go to bed. I don't like this." So uh, he's like, "I don't love it." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Lady Gaga still has it. She sure does. Um, on that note, thank you to our producer Sasha Ashel. Thank you, Amanda. Great to catch up with you as always. And thank you all for listening. Send us a DM. What do we want DMs about? Oh, what you think about the crown if but, like, you aren't a royal watcher. Yeah. But also, but you can't be a troll either. Just just be a, a thinking person. Engage in the topic in a respectful way and let us know what you think. Um, have a great Thanksgiving. We'll be back next week on Tuesday. Tuesday. 